It was the summer of 1994. I had just graduated from college, and as much as the previous years had changed my life, the adventure upon which I was just about to embark was going to give lasting impressions that I never would have guessed. I'll tell you about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley. Happy that you've joined us for another hour of spiritual direction on air, on Relevant Radio, online at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. Well, first off, wanted to give a quick word of thanks to our listeners in our pledge drive last week. Thanks to your generosity, we made our goal of raising $3 million. Thank you so very much. And if you meant to give but you didn't, no worries. We're keeping the door open a bit longer. You can still give at RelevantRadio.com on the Relevant Radio app or by calling 877-291-0123, and we'll count it toward our spring pledge drive. Again, though, if you gave or soon will give sincere thanks, we can't do it without you. Yeah, the summer of 1994, it was my first trip overseas. That summer, I spent six weeks on a mission trip to the Palestinian people. My teammates and I stayed in Bethlehem. Yeah, that Bethlehem. And I spent my days helping out at an orphanage. There were many, many first-ever experiences that I had on that trip, not least of which this was the simplicity of the life that we led. I mean, we got our dry goods from a small shop, which was just down the street from where we were staying, and our produce from the shop next door. I don't think I truly appreciated what was going on in me, though, until I next visited a uh, modern-day supermarket. And there I stood, frozen in my tracks at the abundance, and perhaps overabundance, of food, of choices. And that experience was driven home the following summer when I returned to the Holy Land to help out in a refugee camp in Gaza City. There I experienced poverty at a new level including teams of barefoot children running through the streets alongside open sewage, which was also running in the streets. Now, I'm grateful for these experiences as they really opened my eyes to the reality and the effects of what it means to be poor. But even so, when we were there, I still never wondered where my next meal was coming from. I never worried about making ends meet. I was never anxious about the basic needs of life. But what about those who are? What do they go through? And what is my responsibility, and yours, toward meeting their needs? Our topic today on The Inner Life is Outreach to the Poor. Guiding us through the discussion is our spiritual director for today, Father Joseph Ilo. Father Ilo is a pastor, is the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco. He also gives retreats to Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity around the world. Father Ilo, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Patrick. Good to be with you. Fantastic. And I hear you just got back from the Holy Land as well. Is that correct? I did. And we were in Bethlehem. Our guide was a parishioner at uh, St. Catherine's Parish, which is right next to Nativity in Bethlehem. And nice. he really was uh, telling us how with the security fence around the city, it's just poverty is so terrible right now in Bethlehem. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's obviously it's a common problem. It's a worldwide problem. And uh, there are places in the world where it's exacerbated and we see it uh, more readily but uh, yeah just not, you know just in our own neighborhoods of course we have them too so i think a very pertinent topic for today 
Let's start maybe, Father Ila, with uh, with a look at Jesus's own poverty. I mean, how does his own poverty, what does it say about the love we should have for the poor? Well, he came to, God came to us as a poor person. So every poor person manifests the poverty of Jesus. God didn't come to us almighty and all-knowing and super rich. He was all those things, but he came to us as a helpless, ignorant, poor child, the child of poor parents. I also reflect on Our Lady's visitations throughout the years, her apparitions, and she comes to poor people. Almost inevitably, she comes to the poor, the children of Fatima, uh, Adele Breeze, and Our Lady of Champion was a poor immigrant girl, um, Juan Diego and Guadalupe. So the, the, the Lord loves the poor because the poor, I think, understand our Lord's love better than most because, because they're humble and he came as a poor person. Yeah. There is a linkage there. You've already drawn it out, Father, between poverty and humility as well. What do you think, what do you think makes up that link? Well, the poor know their need. I was just down yesterday in the slum section of San Francisco, the Tenderloin. We have a group every Sunday afternoon that feeds the poor and clothing, and we pray with them. I was thinking uh, how much these simple people know how much they need. They're so grateful for a sandwich, a drink, a prayer. Some, a lot of them are Latinos and they want a blessing. They want to go to confession, and they know they need something. But the but the rich, those of us, and probably that's you and me, and most of the people listening, we're financially secure, independent, and we need God just as much, but we don't know it. Mm-hmm. And so, blessed are the poor in spirit. Even if we're rich materially, or at least financially secure, if we have a poverty of spirit we will know God more deeply. We will know how much we need him and let him come to us. Mm-hmm. And that is drawing out that beatitude as well, which I'm, I'm grateful you did. Um, but if we look at that, that, same, uh, that same sermon in the Gospel of Luke, the Sermon on the Plain, as it's sometimes called, um, he leaves out the in spirit there, although, as you've pointed out, there is a linkage there. Blessed are the poor, is what St. Luke uh, has Jesus saying, for theirs, yours is the kingdom of God. And uh, St. Luke seems to be especially aware of the material needs uh, of the people there. You see him having all kinds of uh, places where Jesus is tending to the needs of the poor. He's teaching against the dangers of wealth. Anything that we can really gain that comes to your mind, Father, uh, from uh, specifically paying attention to that in the Gospel of Luke? Well, that's good. The Gospel of Luke is the Gospel of the poor more than the other Gospels, as you mentioned. Luke's version of the Beatitudes just says, blessed are the poor, whereas Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit. But I think Luke understood that to be poor in spirit, you need some level or some experience of material poverty. We can't understand what the poor go through unless we become poor. You had your own experience there in the Holy Land, serving 
the poor, you had to become poor yourself, not knowing where your next meal would come from. Mother Teresa, probably the patron saint of our time of the poor, insisted that her own sisters live poverty. They had precisely two sets of clothing, two habits, nothing else. They, For example, she didn't allow fans, just fans in the Calcutta sweltering heat because the poor didn't have fans. Now, when I lived there with her, the priest had fans, <laughs> but no air conditioners. <laughs> but in fact, I got really sick because the sisters, you'd come to the mother house completely sweated up and they'd put you in a chair to hear confessions of the sisters and put a fan on you. And so I caught a really bad cold. Mm. But the sisters lived the same material poverty as the people they served so they could understand it. Right. Yeah. I, I can remember, I have an understanding of the poor thanks to my own experience of living poverty when I was a, a seminarian. I, it was before I was a seminarian. I, was, I went to Rome to find my vocation, and uh, I was going to live with a religious community, but it fell through at the last minute, so I ended up just getting an apartment in a really kind of bad section of Rome, and I, I was isolated. I was I, for food. I had to go to the um, the shelter for for well, my main meal every day was a plate of spaghetti and and some olives, and that was given out free to the poor. So for two months I lived like that in abandonment and poverty and isolation. And then eventually I moved in with a religious order, and was cared for. But to have that feeling of abandonment, nobody cares whether you are tired, whether you eat or not, was very difficult. It was the most difficult time of my life, mm -hmm. just two months. But it was enough to show me how the poor feel isolated, abandoned, and to have empathy. I really was given the gift of empathy, which I strive to maintain in my comfortable life now. But I, I don't ever want to forget those two months of living as a poor person among the poor people of Rome. Hmm. Our spiritual director today on the program, Father Joseph Ilo, pastor of Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco, and a retreat giver to Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity. When was a time when you encountered poverty? Have you let, have you come face to face with it in some, maybe even in your own life, that you have experienced poverty, as Father Ilo was just describing? Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Encourage and inspire one another. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine again eight eight eight. 914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, uh, so many things that in that story that you just told, which was striking, uh, but I do want to focus in on the sense of isolation and abandonment. And I think that sometimes that's something that we can easily forget as we, uh, we tend to perhaps import our own labels, our own uh, presuppositions about what these people are going through, that they may be just trying to weasel other hardworking people out of uh, some of their hard-earned money, but um, but there's so much more to being legitimately in poverty, isn't there? There is. Mother Teresa herself realized the deeper, more terrible poverty of the first world when she set up her first house in New York City. In London, in Paris, in Berlin, she saw a much more difficult poverty that can't just be solved by a sandwich and a kind word, but there's an emptiness in the, deep in the soul of people who are surfeited with this world's goods, but do not know the Lord God or don't have a supportive community. 
And I, I saw, like you, I saw poverty on a new level when I, I, I was in Calcutta in 1997. And you, you don't understand poverty like that. You can never understand that living in the first world. But there was a certain simplicity and joy to the people in Calcutta, a deep reliance on the awareness of God and reliance on his providence. Yesterday, as I say, at the Tenderloin here in San Francisco, most of the people are Latino, so they have faith, they have a Catholic faith, and there's a real joy to the simple people. But there are other people on the street that um, feel entitled, perhaps, uh, and it's really hard to get to them. They're, you, you give them a little food, they, they take it, they're not really appreciative, you want to pray, they don't want to pray, they don't smile. Uh, so it's that much deeper poverty that affects, afflicts even the poor, the materially poor, but is really difficult to address with those who are wealthy or, or financially secure. That's the deeper poverty of our own country. That's that's fascinating, Father. And uh, we won't spend all, a lot of time on this, but I'm just very curious about, do you have any thoughts as to why that is? I mean, why do we encounter that here in the in the so-called first world, this uh, deeper poverty? Well, we've been trained by our culture to think that the government or the corporate world or our own selves can provide everything we need to be happy. The pursuit of happiness can take place completely apart from the search for God. And it always turns up empty because our deepest need is not for material or even emotional satisfaction. Our deepest need is for God's love, God's love experienced in prayer and in his providence, but also experienced received through the community. And I think we saw this very terribly in COVID where people were isolated. And I can remember uh, about two months into the lockdowns here in San Francisco, one of the young people in, in one of our youth groups, it wasn't my youth group, it was a, a friend, a priest friend. And he said he was a little troubled even in the youth group, but with the isolation, he killed himself. He, he jumped off mm. a roof right in front of his mother oh, because goodness. what the only thing that he really needed, which was the love of a community, the interaction with others, the love of God through a community, was taken away from him. He still had plenty of food, clothing, a cell phone, a smartphone that worked, but he did not have the community, the love of God, and, and he didn't have the mass. They, the, the masses were shut down mm. and the communal dimension of that. So. It was, it was a terrifying report that, that he had just hurled himself off this three-story roof and, and perished like that. So the um, a real need, the deepest poverty that we can also address with each other is for the human touch, the love of God uh, in prayer, the love of God through the community. Mother Teresa often said, you have to have an understanding love for the poor. And that means the person you live with, to understand their poverty, to understand their needs, to understand when someone you live with or work with is going through a very difficult situation, and just to listen to them, to show that there is a God and, and God cares for this person. 
Fantastic stuff. Uh, we are learning about and ta- talking about outreach to the poor and uh, yeah, trying to understand a little bit more. Yeah, to gain that understanding, love for the poor that Father Ilo, well, Mother Teresa through Father Ilo has just given us. Let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Gina who's calling in from Portland, Oregon. Gina, welcome to the Inner Life. Hi, I just wanted to, you know, I'm getting older now, and I have been poor most of my life as a child. Um, as a teenager during my working years, I was pretty much able to take care of myself and do stuff. But um, now that I'm older, I'm back at being poor again. What amazes me is that places where I live with the poor, obviously, um, is a number of younger people that think the world owes them a living, whether they work or not, that they are owed food, whether they work or not. And I mean, I paid into Social Security all my life, but Social Security doesn't cut it for, you know, trying to make it through just daily life. Um Mm-hmm. I have lived on the streets before for months. Mm-hmm. I have lived without food. Um, when I ran out of coffee, that's when I went and got food stamps because mm-hmm. I got so sick. But other than that, I mean, there's, there is the loneliness. There is the the poverty of spirit where you are just desolate because it's hard to go to the library and sit there all day when you don't smell so great Mm -hmm. and people don't want to be around you, Mm -hmm. you know, and you do what you can to stay clean, but you got to have money for soap. Mm -hmm. But anyway, those are just a couple of my thoughts. I mean, a person that, that I met at a meal one time said, oh, gee, last time they had this, this, and that. And I'm like, wait a minute. They don't have to give us anything. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, be grateful, be thankful for what we do get, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, a simple casserole or um, whatever, I mean, at least you've got something to put in your stomach. There are people in this world I know of that, you know, don't have food, period. So Mm -hmm. we have no right to complain in this country. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Gina. Thank you for that witness to poverty that you experienced personally in your life. And also, I think old age is a poverty. Um, I'm getting older myself, and um, I can't do what I used to do. And also, you're not valued. People think, you know, you're past your expiration date. You're not contributing anything to society. You can't defend yourself. You need help. And and so old age is a simplicity and a poverty that it's hard to accept, but we have to work at accepting it. But I think also your sense of gratitude and your your consternation that Many people are not grateful, younger people especially, 
have a sense of entitlement. Gratitude is, is happiness and joy. And it's that kind of, I see the difference. Uh, as I said yesterday to, on the, in the slums here in San Francisco, between those who are grateful and those who are not, when they receive a sandwich, a pair of socks, some of them feel entitled. And it, actually, it's, it's interesting. There, there are differences between the ethnic groups. And I think some ethnic groups have been trained to think they're entitled and others not. But there's a real difference. It, and it's, it's a generalization. There, there are some in both. All sorts, of, all sorts of people have different attitudes. But what a beautiful joy I see, a radiant joy in the faces of those who know that they do not deserve anything, but they are receiving with joy. All of us are beggars at the throne of grace. And if we know that, then everything is a gift. Even the difficult things are a gift. It's that uh, gratitude, that sense of gratitude that characterizes the real happiness in our lives. Those who are grateful are happy and joyful. Thank you, Gina, for the phone call. And again, too, for your testimony of your own encounters with poverty. If you have encountered poverty somewhere in your life, or perhaps you've seen it in lives, you've been up close and personal with those who have experienced poverty, give us a call and give us your testimony. Give us the story. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break, but there's more to come with The Inner Life, so stay with us. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash forester. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. Blessed be the does indeed, as the psalmist reminds us, that the Lord does hear the cry of the poor, and he does uh, seek to reach out to all of those who are impoverished uh, through his holy church, of course. Our spiritual director today, as we're talking about outreach to the poor, is Father Joseph Hilo, who gives retreats to Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity around the world and frequently goes down to downtown San Francisco to work with the poor there. And Father, I think uh, drawing again from Gina's call um, she was telling us about some of the times where she has encountered poverty as well, is that um, we were talking about gratitude. And I think sometimes a motivating thing for those for people who would like to reach out to the poor can be seeking that good feeling that comes from reaching out or it can be from looking for that kind of gratitude of people who are receiving the basic needs of life. But I think that could probably have some pitfalls to it, too, if that's our only motivation, right? That's right. Now, there's nothing wrong with the good feeling that comes from helping the poor. There is a very good feeling. I'm always uplifted, inspired. When I do, uh, St. Vince de Paul, I think, said that those who serve the poor will never be sad in this life and will not fear death. That's certainly a, a great consolation, a motivation for serving the poor. But it can't be the essential motivation because feelings come and go. I've known people that get that high, the initial high when they serve the poor, and it lasts for a month or two, and then it disappears and they stop serving the poor. So it's not doing, it's not serving the poor to make ourselves feel good, but because the Lord has asked us to do that, because it's the right thing to do, whether it feels good or not. Uh, 
a mother cleans her child's diapers and feeds him and puts up with his tantrums, not because it makes her feel good all the time, although sometimes, but because he needs it. And that's her role as mother. Mother Teresa, speaking of another mother, i sorry to speak so much about her, but she's the one I have a lot of experience with. But Mother Teresa would often say, give until it hurts. So don't just give until it feels good, but beyond that, give until it hurts, until you feel the sacrifice and share the pain of the poor. That's a much deeper consolation, Hmm. a much deeper grace than just the superficial feeling of um, euphoria when when you help the poor. Right, right. Well, uh, first of all, let me say, Father, that uh, I don't think, especially on a program dealing with outreach to the poor, I don't think we'll ever uh, <laughs> condemn you for speaking, uh, for quoting Mother Teresa to us. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful thing, and we have, of course, much to her- learn from her and from all the saints. Uh, but specifically, too, I think uh, that's a that's a good motivation. It's a good understanding if if we're going to give till it hurts. But I think another another thing that might stand in the way of some people being more generous than what they might otherwise be, or excuse me, less generous than what they might otherwise be, is is that they have this sense of, well, yeah, but the money I earn in my hard, you know, I'm, I'm doing hard work to earn my money, uh, isn't that my own? How would, how, how would you respond to that, that uh, objection? Well, um, <laughs> with, a, with a, a, a brisk and bold negative, that is, the, the, what we earn is not our own, because everything we have, we have been given. So, okay, I can work hard. Where did I get my energy to work hard? Where did I get the education that allows me to make money or the... Um, any kind of motivation, any kind of physical or intellectual ability I have has been given to me. Now, I, I develop that. I, I work hard. I study. But even that is a gift of God. So everything is a grace, as St. Augustine would say. And therefore, I don't own anything absolutely. Now, there's some really beautiful quotations in the Catechism regarding the St. John Chrysostom, for example, writes, uh, not to enable the poor to share in our goods is to steal from them and deprive them of life. The goods we possess are not ours, but theirs. Now, he's being a bit, using hyperbole there. In in a relative sense, the goods we possess are, are ours. We have responsibility for maintaining them for good stewardship. But absolutely, in an absolute sense, it is not ours. That is, everything belongs to God. He writes further, I'm sorry, this is um, uh, St. Gregory the Great. When we attend to the needs of those in want, we give them what is theirs, not ours. More than performing the works of mercy, we are paying a debt of justice. So I think the mentality has to be one of stewardship, a spirituality of stewardship, not ownership. Yes, I've earned everything I have in the bank, but I've earned it by the grace of God. So therefore, real tithing is a, is a um, necessary part of the spiritual life. I mean, 10% off the top is what the Bible asks. And it's very healthy for us. It frees us from attachment, but also helps feed the poor. 
So stewardship, not ownership, is the spirituality we need to cultivate. I like it. Let's go back to the phones now. We've got Mary who's calling in from Virginia. Mary, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Hello, Father. Um, Hi, Mary. Hi. This might be, um, uh, this is a different type of poverty. Um, I have a disease called Sjogren's disease, um, named after a Swedish doctor named Dr. Sjogren, S-J-O-G-R-E-N, and the J is pronounced like an H. So it's an autoimmune illness affecting um, 4 million Americans that we know of, and um, it affects mostly women, and um, it is very, very rare to meet somebody that knows what it is. And um, I was a registered nurse for many, many years, and it took me four years to figure out my own diagnosis, even though I was under the care of an eye doctor, primary care doctor. I was getting sicker and sicker, and nobody knew why. So um, the point that I want to make is... um, the poverty is um, compassion, a lack of understanding and compassion. Um, I haven't been able to go out of town for many years now. My siblings are angry because I couldn't be at weddings. I couldn't be at my sister's funeral two years ago. <clears throat> I don't visit cousins mm. in the same state anymore. Mm. I, I don't have the strength. And um, um, somebody in the family said to me recently, well, you sure picked an obscure one. Mm. That hurt me. Mm. And um, after all of these years, I thought perhaps that person could have educated themselves a little bit. Um So um, the poverty is the lack of education, not only in the medical community, but amongst in the general public. The Shogun's Foundation is working hard to address that. But it's also people's judgment. And Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. I can't be in the sun. I have certain blood antibodies that cause sensitivity, but the medicine, the hydroxychloroquine, to slow down the destruction of the organs causes sun sensitivity also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Mary, thank you. Thank you for, for opening up. And I think that she makes a great point, Father, that there is a there's a poverty of relationship that is oftentimes uh, experienced. You talked about the isolation, the abandonment that the materially poor can sometimes mm-hmm. sense. Um, but they're not. it's not just limited to the materially poor, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Mary's mm-hmm. a great example of that. No, the chronic sickness is a great poverty, and it's not easily solved. As you mentioned, Mary, that you take a, a medicine to help you with it, and it causes other problems. My own brother, just he, he retired. And then he got a kind of a cancer. It's a very rare cancer that's 
um, debilitating his vital organs, his heart, his um, digestive system, and it just, uh, and then he has to take all these other pills, and then they make him sick in other ways. And as you say, people don't understand. I just, as you were saying, uh, talking, I looked up Sjogren's syndrome on, on the internet or on my computer, and just a little education can give us so much more empathy to what people are going through. People might say, oh, she's just a hypochondriac, or she needs to buck up and suck it up. And But as you say, part of our service to the poor is to understand what people are suffering. Mother Teresa said an understanding love. Uh, love without understanding is hardly love. So to educate ourselves to care enough to try to understand what people are suffering is essential to to our charity towards the poor. And that's across the board. Yeah. Well, Mary, again, thank you so much for your call. Thank you for sharing with us and for, uh, yeah, all of us, inspiring us to understand better um, some of the situations that people find themselves in that are real situations of poverty. Where have you come face to face with poverty? When was a time when you had uh, an impoverished time, either in your own life or in the life of a friend, a loved one, you saw it uh, firsthand. Give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, I'm also thinking specifically about um, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy that oftentimes in many ways seems to address the needs of the poor, whether it be the materially poor or the spiritually poor. Can you talk just a minute in general about the need to be involved with the corporal and spiritual works of mercy? Yes. As Mary brought up, education is one of the works of mercy to instruct the ignorant it's a spiritual work of mercy. So there are spiritual works of mercy and corporal works of mercy. And both of them are really hands-on. So just focusing a little bit on instructing the ignorant, for example, many people are terribly ignorant of the of Catholics, I would say, of the catechism or of the gospel, of the structure of the liturgy, what it means to pray. And the Bible tells us, my people are, one of the prophets, my people are dying for lack of knowledge. What a terrible poverty, because knowledge, without education, we're locked in poverty. And that's a truism we've heard for decades now in America, that the war on poverty is the war uh, was solved by education. So most people go to college now. But it's not only material poverty it's a terrible spiritual emptiness and emotional poverty for those who are ignorant of the spiritual realities. So yes, give your kids a good education, send them to a good college, but don't send them to a college that's going to destroy their faith <laughs> because the most important education is knowing God and knowing his ways through the community. So teaching your own children, witnessing to truth in the workplace that's a very hard thing to do these days in a post-Christian culture. I had dinner with a family last night after mass. He works for a school district here in the Bay area. And of course uh, he has to interface with all of the woke culture with the transgender ideologies and everything else. And he knows that this is hurting his students. He sees the terrible effect of ignorance among his, the students he serves. And he also has to, he's caught in a bind because he has to try to implement 
the leftist policies of the school district. And um, he's found a way to do that so far by witnessing to the truth in the workplace. It's, it's a marvelous thing. He was telling me how he was doing this. And so instructing the ignorant and witnessing to the truth are one of the spiritual works of mercy that is so important today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our spiritual director today, as we're talking about outreach to the poor, the materially poor, the spiritually poor, and uh, I would imagine we all find ourselves in that category one time or another. And, uh, well, let's all consider ourselves poor in spirit, as Jesus recommends to us in the Beatitudes. But if you have a place or a time where you have uh, felt those needs pressing down upon you or you've seen it in a life of a loved one, please give us a call, 888 or maybe you have a question about what's a good way to practice charity towards the poor, either the materially poor or the spiritually poor. Give us a call. Ask our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, pastor at Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco, 888 We're going to take another brief break, but we'll be back with more right after this. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society. Not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Patrick Conley, and I've got some thanks to give out. First of all, thanks to our producer, Nick Sendovich, who is doing a great job in putting together these shows, and Sarah Tafoya, who's taking your phone calls today. And a thank you to you. Thank you for supporting Relevant Radio in our spring pledge drive last week. We made our goal, thanks to you, of $3 million. We're so grateful. And if you meant to give but didn't, there's still a chance to get in in our spring pledge drive. We're keeping the door open just a bit longer. You can go to RelevantRadio.com and make your gift there today. It's really quick, really easy. So thank you again for your support. My thanks also to our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, as we're talking about charity or outreach to the poor specifically. Father Ilo is in San Francisco. At, he's the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there, and he uh, frequently interacts with the materially poor there in San Francisco. Let's go back to the phones, Father. We've got uh, Kara, who's calling in from Pennsylvania. Kara, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. I'd like to... Um, I have a question that's been on my mind a while. So I would love to give more than 10%, but I can barely give 10% because I have a lot of medical bills. I have, like, uh, last year I paid out-of-pocket over $30,000. So I have a lot. So if I give 10%, I'm going to be the one needing the charity. So Mm. what do I do? Right. Good question, Kara. Well, 10% is not a hard and fast number. It's, It's a benchmark that the Bible gives. But the principle is that everybody can give something. So give as much as you can with a generous heart, with a, with a smile. Sometimes we can't give the full 10%. Some people can give 30% or 20%. Some people can only give 5 or, or 3%. So that's something that you discuss with your spouse, if you have one, with your financial advisor, if you have one, and with your God. So you take it to prayer and, and say, how much can I give? Because, yeah, you, do, you have to take care of yourself. That's you have responsibilities towards your dependents, and you're one of your own your, yourself as a dependent. Hope that clarifies. Mm. 
Yeah, great question, Kara. Thank you for that. And uh, I think maybe perhaps uh, it's just a reminder early on in the program when you mentioned the tithe, Father, the scriptural baseline or, or benchmark as of the tithe as being what Scripture recommends, that there are many folks uh, who, yeah, may struggle with that. That might be um, that might be hard, but uh, there are probably many more who kind of think, eh, well, you know, I'll throw a dollar in the plate each Sunday and that should be fine. Is that right? That's right. That's yeah. right. I mean, my own mother gave a dollar for probably 40 years. And after I became a priest, I said, Mom, now I'm on the other side of that basket. Um, you might want to up that a little bit. <laughs> so she started giving $2. No, I think she, I think it was $5. And um, wow. she felt good about that. She didn't know. Well, I mean, nobody told her. She, she had to be told. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 100% increase in giving. That's uh, that's pretty good. I like that. It was pretty Thank good, you, yeah. Kara. Again, yeah, good question, Kara. Thank you so much for the call. Let's go now to Joe, who's calling in from San Diego. Joe, welcome to The Inner Life. Yeah, hi. I'm sorry. Do you hear me? Yep. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Father. Yeah. My name is Joe, and I'm from San Diego. Uh, I'm a I'm Albanian by birth. So when we escaped from Albania, uh, the land of uh, where Mother Teresa is from, it was communist. We escaped to Yugoslavia. Uh, there, a family, uh, an Albanian family who lived on the Yugoslavian side took 16 of us in were three families. They fed mm-hmm. us, they changed our clothes, they kept us overnight, heated us up because we were, we escaped by rowboat. Um, and, and it was, we were all covered in water. And I was like four or five years old. And, and then the funny thing about that, the family that helped us, they were Muslim because Melbourne mm-hmm. is predominantly, predominantly Muslim. Then we stayed in Yugoslavia two and a half years. People supported us there. Escaped to Italy after a while. Then Italy, never God bless the nuns. They came in there every Sunday with pasta and bread and fed mm-hmm. us in the refugee camps. Mm-hmm. And also, when you came to, when you came to America, uh, people that you didn't even know just you, you just happened to be the same nationality or whatever. Uh, this was in the early '60s. A man gave my father like a hundred dollars. And hundred dollars then was a lot of money. And uh, my father says, "I don't know when I can pay you back." He says, "Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Pay it forward." And then, and my father was always good about that. He always helped people, and I always been uh, been generous too in that respect. But I, I think also I want to say is anybody who's in a position of wealth or success or whatever, if they go down back to their roots or generational or in the past 200, 300 years or 400 years where the family is, at one time that family was poor. So you're you're poor today, 100 years from now, maybe your kids are going to be rich. I came here, we didn't have a penny in our pockets. Thank God, I'm, everything is great. Uh, and I, and I, I'm, I'm, I've been blessed. And I always, I'm grateful to God uh, for everything that he, he's given us. And, uh, mm. and, and, to, and, 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 Thank you uh, to Patrick and you, Father, and to Relevant Radio. You guys have inc- you increased my faith more and more. To the point, I'm 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 a happy. I've always been a Catholic, but I'm a real happy, devoted Catholic. Hmm. Thank you, Joe. That that's so joyful. Your witness is so joyful. You had a personal experience of uh, generosity of charity, and so you know what it feels like. You know what it looks like, and you can then extend that as you say, pay it forward. Uh, the, the challenge is with a lot of people in our time, 
young people, especially, <laughs> I think uh, maybe Gina was talking about this, that feel entitled because they don't have a personal experience of receiving charity. So it's very healthy to, as you, Patrick, you went to serve the poor in Gaza and you, you had, you lived poverty with the poor. So that's why Mother Teresa also said you have to touch the poor. You have to feel what they feel in order to understand the joy of giving, the joy of giving and receiving. So I would encourage everybody in whatever way you uh, can to physically serve the poor, to, to go down to the slum areas, to uh, there's a lot of uh, pro-life work that's really serving the, the poorest of the poor, the, the unborn. And um, that is something available in uh, almost any demographic to, to pray at an abortion clinic, to work in a program like Rachel's Vineyard or the Gabriel Project, where you, you help a woman in a difficult pregnancy to avoid abortion. So there are many ways of serving the poor, teaching catechism. Uh, our school in San Francisco, 70% of the children are on tuition assistance. And a lot of them are from the Mission District, the poor area of the city. And just to be with them in the schoolyard, to be with them in class, is uh, it's touching, you know, it's seeing, it's interacting with them on a personal level. And it gives us a good sense of uh, charity and, and what the, the beauty of poverty, poverty that is addressed by charity. Mm-hmm. Joe, thanks for that great testimony, and uh, thanks. I we join you in thanking those who are so generous to you and your family. Uh, just love to hear stories of generosity. So wonderful, Joe. Thank you for that. Let's go now to Sherry, who's calling in from Kentucky. Sherry, welcome to the Inner Life. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is: is I'm in a life change as far as a career change, and what I've done my whole life is in healthcare actually taking care of patients. And and when you're doing that, when you're touching patients, taking care of them, you feel Jesus in your midst and you really feel like you're touching the poor and you're you're serving them and doing what they need. My life changed now. We'll still be in healthcare, but I actually have an interview Thursday for a job. It's the inspection of other healthcare facilities and making sure they're doing what they need to be doing. Um, A lot of it's book work and things. So my question is, how can I feel like I'm actually serving the poor in that capacity and it keeps crossing my mind well i never touch these patients again Mm -hmm. so i'm just really Mm -hmm. struggling with that you maybe you have something to say to kind of help with that yeah thank you sherry Uh, first of all we are so grateful for our nurses and our doctors but the nurses especially that that clean the bedpans and put in the ivs and uh, a really good friend of mine here her name is dolores me and she is a an RN, actually, a, and um, she started a, a Bella clinic here in San Francisco to help the, the poor women and children, especially to avoid abortion, but but across the board. And she is, is an angel, really, uh, understands people so much because she touches them. She she tells me so many stories of when she worked at San Francisco General. So you don't want to lose that that uh, personal contact with people especially the needy, those who are ill. So if there's some volunteer work you could do, uh, you know, three or four hours a week maybe um, as an RN, you you have access to that, I suppose. Or um, work with a a group that serves the poor. You know, maybe it's harder outside of urban areas, but there's usually a St. Vincent de Paul Society in a parish or um, like the group we have here that goes down to the uh, slum area in San Francisco. So try to find some way 
of serving the poor hands on. I think that's a great uh, bit of advice for all of us. But uh, Sherry, thank you for asking the question. It's a it's a great idea because I think many of us. I mean, I'm sitting here at a microphone, and uh, and mm. many of us would ha- we have to take the initiative. So taking initiative. In, is one one practical way of moving into a greater position of that understanding love that you've been talking about, Father, that Mother Teresa recommends, um, that an understanding love is how we engage with the poor. Any other practical, just in our last minute or so here, Father, any other practical understandings or practical ways, maybe uh, like one, one, one example might be moderating our own usage of money and mm. of goods, yeah? Mm-hmm, Anything else mm-hmm. that you would recommend? Well, that's really important to live a life of self-denial, of simplicity, poverty of spirit, material and, and, and spiritual poverty. So recognize our, our own poverty and um, choosing not to be lavish in our expenditures and acquisitions. Getting one box instead of five boxes at the grocery store and, you know, one uh, sweater is enough instead of buying two or three or a handbag every other week, um, the kind of car we buy, what, what we add to our house, our entertainment systems, the kind of uh, smartphone you buy. You don't have to have the best. And then also offering up our own confusions, our desolations, our disappointments, our frustrations, instead of complaining about them, lamenting, but offering them to God in with empathy for those who suffer. So, so learn how to live simply and to accept the difficulties of life with a smile. Mother Teresa lived desperate interior poverty, abandonment, isolation, darkness for 50 years. Nobody knew it until after she was dead through her journals and um, letters. But she, she lived, she, she, she denied herself. She smiled. She, she helped other people be joyful by her own radiant joy even though she was suffering terribly interiorly. So put a smile on your face, a real sunshine to the people you live with. That, that might be the greatest act of uh, be, the, be the sunshine in your own workplace, in your own school, in your own family. Wonderful. Father Joseph Ilo has been our spiritual director today talking about outreach to the poor. Father, as always, we would like to end with your blessing, if you would, please. May the blessing of Almighty God through the intercession of all the saints who practice charity to a heroic degree, bless all of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Once again, Father Joseph Ilo from Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your generosity during our spring pledge drive. You can still give at relevantradio.com. Go over there and check that out. Coming up next, of course, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And tomorrow here on The Inner Life, we're going to be talking about the Most Holy Eucharist and how to encourage devotion. Until then, grace and peace.